0: I'm Luke Worsham and welcome to the Three and Out Podcast. If this is your first time listening, you picked a great time to start listening, uh, but I sure do hope it won't be your last. If you want to be notified whenever the Three and Out Podcast comes out with a new episode, go subscribe to us on iTunes, go subscribe to us on SoundCloud, and we're going to hop right on into the episode because we are, I think right now, two days away from round one of the NFL draft kicking off and the Cleveland Browns going on the clock and joining me today to preview the NFL draft, not just from, from the Titans' perspective, but from perspective of everyone in the NFL, is uh, my editor at Titan Size, the guy who makes me look good, um, that's Matthias Wadner. Matthias, how are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, thank you for that shout-out. You definitely uh, do well by yourself in the writing. I really don't do much, but I appreciate that. Uh, I'm ready, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the draft.
0: Before we start actually talking about prospects, I want to – ask if you kind of agree with me on this i Mm -hmm. I, i've been you know studying the draft really ever since 2012 when andrew luck was the first pick that's when i really kind of started getting into it and you know every year you study it you know more about the draft than you did the year before and you always learn new things but more than ever this year it seems like like a deep draft class but it just seems really weird in that you know, one guy could go third overall, and then that same guy might drop to the second round. It's just really bizarre this year. Do you agree with that?
1: I completely agree. This is one of the first. This is probably the first draft that I have no idea what's going to happen with any pick, except maybe the first one. And I'm assuming it's going to be Miles Garrett. But I mean, there's rumors that it could be Trubisky. I don't know. But all the other draft picks, I have no idea who's going where.
0: Another thing about the this year's draft too is. Last two drafts, right, we knew it was going to be Mariota and Winston at, top, at the top two. We knew it was going to mm-hmm. be Winston-Goff. We're pretty sure it's going to be Miles Garrett. We're not positive. And then San Francisco is a complete wild card. I mean, no one has any idea what they're going to do.
1: No, we really don't know. And apparently they're also trying to trade down. Apparently everyone in the top ten is trying to trade down. Uh, the Bills are, might trade down. They might trade up. Uh, there's rumors floating around everywhere what what everyone's gonna do. Um, yeah, and if the Niners stay at two, uh, I really don't know who they're gonna pick. They could go Adams or Hooker. They could even go Fournette and trade Carlos Hyde. There there's this is this is one of the more open ended drafts that there's ever been. I,
0: before Real quick, before we before we start talking about prospects, one last point, and that's if someone – because I've heard the same things about San Francisco potentially trading down. If they do trade down, who would be trading up and, and to get who exactly? Because I mean, I, in my opinion, if someone is trading up to who or to two, it better be Jonathan Allen, Malik Hooker, and not a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I do. I really don't know. I would assume if they're trading up, it probably would be to get a quarterback and they would probably think that the Bears are taking one so they would jump ahead of them. I don't I don't think they someone would trade up for Jonathan Allen or Hooker. Um they both have question marks. Uh we'll get to the, them later, but uh yeah, unless Miles Garrett falls to two then someone would definitely trade up for them.
0: So let's start, hop right in and talk about prospects that both of us like. And I want to start by mm-hmm. asking the question, because Miles Garrett is an athletic freak of nature, and despite some qu- potential questions about his effort on the field, he's a home run pick. So who's mm-hmm. the best player, in your opinion, not named Miles Garrett in this draft?
1: I mean, it's not going to look like it on draft day because he's going to fall, but I really think Ruben Foster is the second best player in this draft.
0: Yeah the the thing that scares me about Ruben Foster is obviously whatever happened at the combine no one really knows mm-hmm. but also the fact that I think he has a bit of an injury history and I don't see him as being you know I feel like his talent level could be up to par with Luke Kuechly but I don't see him being that vocal leader and that field general that we see Luke Kuechly being.
1: Yeah I definitely see what you're saying uh, but he was he was so good at Al- Alabama. If we're talking from like a a true talent standpoint, I think he's right up there. I think he's a top three talent in this draft. Um, he's not really a safe pick at this point with his uh, with his question marks, but um, yeah, he it, it looks like he's going to fall. Someone said he might fall to the to the to the second round, early second round. That would be that'd be an absolute steal for whoever gets him that late.
0: The big news of today, and I don't know what to think about this. What it really reminds me of, well, go ahead and say it. Gary and Conley being accused of sexual (laughs) assault, who knows if it actually happened or not. What it reminds me of is in the 2015 draft, Uh, Lyle Collins, the guard slash tackle out of LSU. Something came out about him a couple days before the draft. He was projected to be a first-round pick, ends up going undrafted, signs with the Cowboys a couple days later, and nothing ever came of whatever accusations were made against him. I could see this potentially being another one of those scenarios, but it's still a possibility now that I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick and teams might want to stay away in the rest of the draft as well.
1: Yeah, I believe Collins was accused of uh, hitting his pregnant girlfriend, and literally nothing came came of it, uh, and he he dropped way down. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, they still have two days to get uh, the, the facts on Conley's uh, situation. I don't want to comment on what it might be or if it seems sketchy or not, but two days before the draft is not really a lot of time, but they do have some time to, to get to the bottom of it. Um, to, I think it pushes him out of the first round. Yeah, I think it it definitely might. I don't know how how much he's going to fall. It's going to depend. But there's a lot of players that have have legitimate character concerns, and I don't know where they're going to go because they're really talented. It reminds
0: me a little bit of one of my most vivid memories from last year's draft day. I was actually at Nissan Stadium, and I'm walking down the concourse, and I pull out my phone, and I pull up Twitter, and there's this video. I followed Laramie Tunsil on Twitter. There's this video
1: of Laramie oh, yeah. Tunsil,
0: and that <laughs> dropped his, him down to, what, 12, 14 to the Dolphins?
1: Yeah, I, I really like Tunsil. I, thought, I wanted him over Conklin. Uh, I'm okay admitting that. I still think is going to be a pro bowler uh, in the NFL. Um, but yeah, that, that video came out literally the day of the draft, and it's him hit with a gas mask. It was, it was terrible. Someone was clearly out to get him. He didn't fall as far as um, as these guys might, but yeah, it was a pretty substantial slide because he was, he was expected to be the number one pick.
0: So before this happened today, I had Conley as my number two corner on my list, behind Marshawn Lattimore. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, and, uh, and most people did, but there's a lot of kind of differing opinions as to the rest of the corners we expect to go in the rest of the first round and in the early second round. How would you rank the, the corners in this draft? Give me give me your top five.
1: I actually I kind of liked Conley a little bit more than Lattimore. I thought he was a safer... A safer pick uh, uh, at the point, but um, that's changed since then. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, right now. I guess it would be. Well, no, let, let's keep it as it would have been. So I would have had Conley one, Lattimore two. Unfortunately, Sidney Jones got injured. He would have been my number three before uh, his Achilles injury. Then I have uh, Tradavius White from LSU. Good, he's a good. He's going to be a good player. And uh, then Quincy Wilson. Uh, yeah, that would be my top five.
0: Someone that – well, first, let's talk a little bit about Marshawn Lattimore because Mm -hmm. he's potentially going to be a very early pick, top five. I've I've seen him going at two in some mock drafts. When I read a scouting report on him and then I looked at highlights and I looked at his combine numbers, he reminds me a lot of uh, Patrick Peterson, who I think Mm -hmm. has been the best corner in the NFL since he came in. What scares you away from him? Is it the injury concerns?
1: It's the hamstring. The hamstrings, they might be a little bit overblown, but it's definitely something to monitor. Uh, The one year starter, and even in the one year that he started, he didn't play the the entire entirety of every game. So I am a little bit concerned about um, what he did at Ohio State and how much he played there. Uh, I think it's a bit of a risky pick, but I mean, if he turns out to be the number one shutdown cornerback that that the tape has showed, then I mean, you have to pick
0: him. Uh, you, you put uh, Tredavious White as your number three corner, which doesn't surprise me. A lot of people mm-hmm. have done it. What surprised me was putting Quincy Wilson as your number four because I've seen him as a mid-second round draft pick in the eyes of many. Uh, what makes you think he's worthy of being ahead of guys like Kevin King and uh, Adoree Jackson and Marlon Humphrey?
1: Yeah, those guys that you mentioned, Kevin King. Kevin King worries me also. Um, he's a bit of a project. He would definitely take a lot of developing. Uh, his, he's incredibly athletic, and uh, if he's coached right, he could be he could be a number one corner uh, due to his size and his athleticism. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, his ball skills need a lot of work. And um, if we, we played a lot of man covers last year, and putting him on an island would against a one receiver. That would worry me a bit, especially in the first round. Quincy Wilson, the, the 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 consensus on him is kind of kind of mixed. A lot of people have him as their number one corner. I think Matt Miller has him as his number one corner. Uh, but there are other people that have him as a second-round second, second round pick. I really like him. He, he's got good size. Um, he's a g- pretty good athlete, definitely a better athlete than his teammate, the DeBoer, who was terrible at the combine. That was really bad. But yeah, I really like Wilson. I think he profiles as a as a fringe cornerback one uh, at the next level. He has all the potential skills to 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 do it. Seemingly
0: every year, the week of the draft, a name is thrown out that not really anybody outside of the guys like like a Matt Miller or a, a Mel Kiper, who do this stuff for a living, have heard of. And that name this year for me was uh, Chadobia woozy I guess I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it right. He kind of came out of nowhere and now is being seen by some as not just a first-round pick, but we're talking being off the board by pick number 20. Uh, had you heard of him? When did you first hear about him as a prospect? Because the first time I heard his name was like last Thursday or something like that.
1: It's funny, actually, because uh, I started doing like those mock drafts on FanSpeak like in January or so. And I would always take a woozy in the, with one of the third round picks. And I thought that was like that was fine. That, that was a good pick. But now he's he's being considered in the top 20, possibly 18 to the tight ends. I saw that. Um, that's a little rich. I don't I don't know if he's that good. Uh, he can play the slot as well as play outside. So there's good versatility. But I'm not sure he profiles as a top 20 talent in this draft. That's a little little high for me.
0: When I did my little personal evaluation of him, I wrote down in my notes that I have right in front of me that I think he'd be better at safety because as I read about Mm -hmm. him, I hear I see good zone instincts. I hear he's a good tackler. I hear that he's smart and he plays the game well with his eyes. That screams safety to me. That doesn't really scream a corner that's going to take away a receiver.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of cornerbacks in this draft that a lot of people prefer safety. Uh, you prefer woozy at safety. Dory Jackson, a lot of people think he translates better to safety. Cameron Sutton can play safety as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, – Desmond King also. He might not have the, the cornerback skills to be a cornerback, and he might move to safety at the next level also. So, yeah, there's a lot of versatility in this draft. I'm not sure which cornerbacks will end up safeties, but there's a lot that whose skills translate – better to that position
0: I'm glad you mentioned um, Cameron Sutton because I want to talk about him for a second while we're still on the cornerbacks I have him down as a potential day one starter as a nickel cornerback which uh, these days nickel corner is becoming a pretty specialized position I think he especially because of his value as a kick returner and punt returner has incredible value on day two potentially even being a third round option
1: I love Cameron Sutton. So does Will, our other editor at Titan Size. He, he, he's just a total package, honestly, at the position. He might not be as gifted, I guess, as Marshawn Lattimore or Gary on Conley, but he's so versatile. And honest, you mentioned that the, the return ability. I know we signed Eric Weems, but we really do need a, an explosive returner. Uh,
0: so now I want to talk about risers in in the draft. Who's someone that, since this whole process kicked off really before the combine in early February, that you weren't huge on at first, but they did something or you saw something that made you go, you know, wow, this guy might be worthy of a top 10 pick, something like that.
1: There's a couple people that have risen in the big media world, I guess. Uh, We already mentioned them, Owuzie and Kevin King. They've completely... Skyrocketed up draft boards. So is uh, Ob Melifonwu from from UConn. Uh, Lattimore actually, when the process started, he was thought of more as like a second, second to third round pick, and now he's considered a top five player. And uh, Hassan Reddick, also the linebacker from Temple, uh, he's he's expected to be a, almost a top ten pick at this point. I really like him, but uh, he's he's really versatile. He can play inside linebacker, outside linebacker. He can play the edge, he can pass rush, he can do everything. But, yeah, I would have liked him at the 18 pick, maybe. I I think he would have been a a good pick there. But uh, we do have more pressing needs, so we'll see what happens.
0: During this whole process, you see prospects, and and every single prospect, it seems, has a negative. It's been rare that I've seen a prospect that didn't really have a negative. Mm -hmm. There's one guy, this whole process, who... He hasn't really had a negative. He he did everything at the combine right. His interviews were good. He he He's well-skilled and well-versed in, in playing his position. And that's O.J. Howard of Alabama, who at the start of all this was seen as a late first, early second round pick. And now mm-hmm. we're hearing potentially comes off the board top five. What are your thoughts on him as a prospect and, and what his value is in the pro game in a position that has somewhat become devalued in that, Titans are really now just becoming oversized wide receivers.
1: Yeah, they really are becoming that. Um, and I'm not sure what he would do, especially in his first year with the Titans, if we did draft him. Because Delaney Walker is still, he's not in the prime of his career, but he's still very good uh, catching the ball and running, getting open, running after the catch. So I'm not sure Howard would have the receiving uh, effect that we might expect from him. But I think he would be a, a great tight end, too. Uh, would I pick him top five? I, I, I don't think I would. Uh, I am a little concerned about his college production. Uh, I can't remember the stats, but uh, a lot of his production came in two games against Clemson. Uh, they were big games. They were the national championship games, which is good. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't take him top five. But at that 18 pick, if, uh, if, if Corey Davis isn't there, who we love, obviously, If he's not there, I think O.J. Howard would be a smart pick at that position. I want to
0: talk a second about the running backs in in this draft class because there's not a ton of debate as to who's at the top, that being Leonard Fournette. There's a little bit of you know, where's Christian McCaffrey going to go, where's where's Dalvin Cook going to go, where's Alvin Kamara and all these guys. As I look at these running backs, oddly enough, the one guy that I like more than anyone else on the field is Joe Mixon. And to me, watching him play reminds me of watching a faster version of DeMarco Murray because he's very quick in and out of his cuts. He he can lower the shoulder, but he also has top-end speed, and he can catch out of the backfield. So let's pretend that we're in a perfect world and Joe Mixon had never committed domestic abuse. Would he be your number one running back?
1: Uh, That's a tough one. I think he would be my number two. Uh, I still I think Dalvin Cook's the best running back in this draft. Uh, I've said that for a while now. Uh, he still is in my book, uh, but Mixon Mixon is so good. He was so good at Oklahoma. Uh, some of the catches he made out of the backfield uh, on like on streak routes out of the backfield it was it was unbelievable. Uh, he's a great runner. He actually profiles similarly to Le'Veon Bell. I'm not sure he's gonna. Uh, become the type of runner that Bell is because Bell is so patient and such a smart runner. But, yeah, Mixon Mixon would be a top 15 player in this draft if it wasn't for the character uh, concerns.
0: I'm curious as to why you have – I mean, he's obviously a great running back, but why you have Dalvin Cook ahead of a Christian McCaffrey and a Leonard
1: Fournette. I mean, I might be a little biased because I went to the University of Miami and I watched Dalvin Cook destroy my team for three years. He absolutely eviscerated us every time he played. But um, yeah, he's, he's just such a good running back. He can do every single thing that you ask of a running back. He has great lateral agility, great top-end speed if you actually watch. Uh, maybe the his 40-yard dash wasn't that great, but he does have great top-end speed. Um, fantastic smooth catcher out of the backfield. And when he gets those uh, swing routes out of the backfield, he can take it All the way every single time he touches it
0: where do you think Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey two guys who are seen as those kind of do-it-all running backs where do you think they end up going
1: in the draft well Cook is going to fall because of character concerns apparently I'm not sure I haven't really read what his what those concerns are but um yeah he's going to fall to like back end of round one maybe top of round two I think and uh the rumors right now are that McCaffrey is going to go top 10, possibly number 8 to the Panthers. Uh, that's really high, but he's really good also. He's so smooth out of out of the backfield, and he's perfect for the modern NFL.
0: I have your uh, Dalvin Cook uh, character concerns in front of me right mm-hmm. now. In June 2014, he received a citation for uh, shooting a car window with a BB gun that left the windows broken. Uh, he received a fine of $550 from the Tallahassee Animal Services Department after he chained three pit bull puppies together by the neck, and he was arrested in July 2015 on battery charges after being accused of hitting a woman at a bar in Tallahassee. Those were, yeah, that, that'll do out. it.
1: That'll do it.
0: Um, so before we move on to kind of talking about negatives, um. You mentioned, I asked who your favorite player was, not named Miles Garrett, and could you refresh me the answer you gave?
1: It was uh, Reuben Foster.
0: Reuben Foster, that's right. Other than Reuben Foster, give me one other favorite player.
1: I love Jamal Adams. I really do. I know people are concerned about his uh, value at the next level because he's a strong safety, but he's not just a strong safety. He can, he He's really good at main coverage, and I think with Dick LeBeau coaching him, he can easily play both pre-safety and strong safety. And with Ke- Kevin Byard as his partner, I think those two could be inter- interchangeable in in any scheme or defense that we play.
0: That's kind of interesting because now as we move on to kind of talking about negatives in the draft, I had him listed as potentially one of the more overrated prospects in the draft. I'm going to go. <laughs> give, give you my two cents worth and you kind of hit on it. I, mm-hmm. I see him as an in the box safety, and I've heard the comparisons to Sean Taylor, and I've heard the comparisons to Troy Pulamalu. I don't think he's as athletic as those two guys were in their primes. And that's what's kind of drawing me away from him. I think he I don't think he'll necessarily be limited to just being an in the box safety like the Titans would expect Jonathan Cyprian to be. But I don't see him – I see him as having first-round value, but I don't see him having top-five value.
1: Do you think Hooker has top-five
0: value? Hooker is my number-one safety, and I think he could okay. be the next Ed Reed, Earl Thomas type of player.
1: Yeah, Hooker and Adams are like – they're 1A and 1B for me. If we go either at number five, honestly, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Hooker's so good in uh, in coverage. He has so much range. it's It's unbelievable.
0: So I'm going to ask you who you think the most overrated prospect in this draft is. I think Adams is slightly overrated. I don't think it's you know anything outrageous that he's going to go in the top five or the top ten. The guy I think is the most overrated prospect in this draft without question. I literally don't even understand why he's being projected to go where he's being projected to go, and that's Deshaun Kaiser. I don't see it. <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know, but there's like a recurring uh, joke on Twitter that Notre Dame went four and nine last year, and they did. They went four and nine last year, and he was the quarterback. Uh, a lot of people have fa- kind of fallen in love with him in the draft process because he does have prototypical size, a good arm, and he does some good things in the pocket. But I mean, what's he going to be at the next level? Like a low end starter, maybe. I don't
0: know. It reminds me a little bit of the love in that really bad 2013 draft class for Geno Smith and E.J. Manuel.
1: Oh. Geno Smith was actually good in college, though. Kaiser Kaiser wasn't even that good in
0: college. And I read a quote. Uh, it said, How often do you see a quarterback get taken in the first round uh, following a season in which they were benched for poor performance?
1: Yeah, no, I I don't understand. Teams just love, they, they love those types of quarterbacks. Big, big arm, and maybe they can work with them and get something out of them.
0: So this quarterback class we have this year isn't the worst I've seen. I think that, as we were just talking about, E.J. Manuel, Geno Smith wasn't great either. But it's not... You know, Andrew Luck, RG3, Blake Bortles, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, exactly, which is one of the best we've ever had. So why is there so much intrigue in trading up to make sure we nab <laughs> the top quarterback in this draft? Is it still this idea of de- desperation for a franchise quarterback?
1: Yeah, it is. These teams, these te- I mean, you've heard of the term quarterback purgatory, uh, which is something like the Bengals are in with Andy Dalton. But, um, yeah, these teams just – they have to get a quarterback, right? The quarterback position is easily the most important position in football. So you have to keep trying until until something sticks. And I'm sure that's what these teams are thinking right now. Like the Bills, uh, I don't know why they don't like Tyrod Taylor. I'm going to be honest. I really like him. I think he's a good quarterback. And I think he's at least an above-average quarterback in the NFL right now. But I don't know. They must not like him. And um, yeah, they they're, they'll just try. They'll try with Trubisky. They'll try with Mahomes. They'll try anything because if you get the position right, you're set for at least a, dec- a decade.
0: And there's something I I've heard uh, Colin Cowherd say over and over again, and it's that you don't have to have Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, or Peyton Manning to win uh, to win football games. You can have, like you mentioned, an Andy Dalton. You can have a Tyrod Taylor, a Kirk Cousins, guys like that who aren't going to sling it around and win NFL MVPs every year, but can still mm-hmm. manage games and get you into positions to win games and make the throws when they need to. And I think far too often teams are, feel like they're desperate to get Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, they're not going to get Tom Brady. It's just never going to happen. Uh, yeah, you made a good point about uh, you can win with uh, game managers. We we went 9-7 and seven with like – a 40-year-old Matt Hasselback and he was fine. He, he didn't need to do much. He didn't have to sling the ball around, and we went 9-7. and seven. Thankfully, now we have Marcus Mariota. But, yeah, a quarterback doesn't doesn't have to be Tom Brady for you to win. Do you, Are you going to win a Super Bowl with uh, Patrick Mahomes? I don't know, but you can at least make it to the playoffs.
0: Who do you think is the best quarterback in this class? I know you're high on Deshaun
1: Watson. Yeah, I really like Watson. Uh, I... I used to like Mahomes, but the more I've watched him, his mechanics are so bad. He's literally Blake Bortles' version too. Uh, so I don't really look, like him that much anymore. But I really like Deshaun Watson. I think he's he's the he's the whole package. I don't think he's going to be like a top ten quarterback in the NFL, but he's going to be a really good starter for whoever takes him.
0: See, I see Mitchell Trubisky as being a less talented version of Jared Goff that we saw Ooh. last year. I, I see him because Jared Goff was pretty mobile, has a big arm, but he played in a spread offense, and he's not the biggest guy you'll ever see. Mitch Trubisky is that, except not quite as talented.
1: You know, I don't know if you know Key and Fahey, but he does a lot of work on quarterbacks, and uh, he really he really likes Trubisky. He, he had some good uh, points on him. He thinks he could be uh, an above average starter at the next level. Um, I don't. I mean. I, I, like I said, I went to I went to UM, and I saw Trubisky play, and he I don't know he didn't strike me as a as a very talented guy. So I'm not sure what the intrigue with him is. It's probably his 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 size, and he just fits the quarterback mold. You know, what I actually like uh, I kind of like Chad Kelly from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I think he he could be he could be a starter in this league. What do you think? I I want to
0: go back and talk about Mahomes. Uh, mm-hmm. You. We, we, you just mentioned his mechanics are really bad, and everyone talks about he has great potential. He has outstanding upside. He has the huge army. He, he's pretty mobile. So, you know, someone's going to draft him and give him a year or two to kind of get into the game and, and work on his mechanics. That, I hate that because you hear that every single year. That's what we heard with Blake Bortles. That's what we heard with Geno Smith when he was drafted. That's what we've heard with <laughs> so many of these first-round quarterbacks, and it never ends up happening. There's n- No one has any patience with quarterbacks. And so I don't understand why you take Patrick Mahomes and convince yourself that you're going to develop him when in reality, let's say you're the Texans and you take Patrick Mahomes. When in reality, after you lose to Jacksonville in week three, you freak out and throw him into the lineup and then he doesn't do what you expected him to do. Because in reality, you you didn't do what you drafted. It's just such a mess, and I don't understand why teams do that.
1: I think the only way a team can draft Mahomes is if they have new leadership or a new coach in place where they have time to let him develop. But a team like the Bears, I, I, I wouldn't see them taking him. I mean, they just signed Matt, Mike Glennon for like $40 million a year, and John Fox is like pretty much on the hot seat, so is their GM, Ryan Pace. The Texans are interesting. I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm, I think they're going to draft a quarterback. I don't know who it's going to be, uh, but Bill O'Brien is just going to keep trying until he finds someone that he can work with.
0: And I, I've heard the Browns like Mitch Trubisky, and I don't know if they've sold themselves on him because they feel desperate for a quarterback or if they really do like him. But here's what, what I've kind of been thinking for the Browns this whole time. Who cares if you win if you go 0-16 again next year? And what you need to do is, if you're not totally in love with Mitch Trubisky, take best player available at say it's say they don't say they go Miles Garrett at, at one, stay at twelve, take the best player available, take another best player available with the first pick of the second round, let Brock Osweiler play because he's not that bad. I mean, he was bad with the Texans last year, and wait until you finally do find someone that you fall in love with.
1: Yeah, they could do that. They could also let Cody Kessler see what he has, to, see what he has to offer. He really wasn't that bad last year. Uh, he did. He showed some good things. Uh, kind of lit up the Titans in in that game, which was a little bit surprising. But well, well we had a bad pass defense. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, I I'm not. I haven't looked at next year's quarterback draft, but quarterback clash. But I'm sure it's a little bit better. If I'm the Browns, I just I just pick. I just get the best players. Because their talent level right now is is at that the bottom. roster was so one bad of the worst
0: I've ever seen last year.
1: I can't believe they won a game. That was shocking. Oh my gosh.
0: but and, and and with all due respect, Mitch Trubisky is not going to come in and be the savior if he's playing with mediocre talent at wide receiver and Isaiah Crowell in the backfield and then you turn to that defense and it's a bunch of 30 year old has beens.
1: Yeah, I agree. Unless Kenny Britt becomes, like, the next, I don't know, Calvin Johnson, and then then he has some weapons to work with, but they, they just need to draft good players. That's all they need to do.
0: So, who do you think is someone that could fall in this draft and, and surprise everybody by where they're taken?
1: Um, well, I already mentioned Cook. Uh, I think he's a top 15 talent in this draft, but yeah, he's going to fall to the second round. Um zach cunningham has kind of been falling i haven't heard a lot about his process lately i think he's gonna fall to the second round too and also tim williams uh the edge from uh alabama he's really good the problem was that he wasn't a full-time player uh at alabama so there i guess they're concerned about his production and what he can handle at the next level i'm not sure where he's gonna go but he, he's been falling a lot also uh the the players that have um uh, that have run into concerns with drug tests and assault or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, they're going to fall a lot. I don't know where Peppers is going to go. Jabril Peppers, uh, he might fall to day three at this point. And Ruben Foster, we have no idea. He he could easily fall to like the third round. Maybe we'll see. Um,
0: ugh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I, I was going to talk about the diluted sample thing with Jabril mm-hmm. Peppers. That just kind of – I don't know. I don't really know what to think about a diluted sample and why if you had a guy as a mid-first round guy, all of a sudden his pee isn't properly (laughs) concentrated and so now he's going to drop to the third round? That just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. And I bet you all he would have gotten uh, tested positive for was weed. And they're college kids. These kids smoke weed. It's just what it is. (laughs)
0: Um. Someone I think that could potentially fall that we haven't talked about is, uh, Rube, uh, excuse me, we talked about Foster, Jonathan Allen, um, mm. because of the shoulder stuff. Right. It's really weird in that he he has the ability to be a dominant interior pass rusher, but you keep hearing all this weird stuff about his shoulder and who knows where he's going to end up going or if the teams in the top five are one of the teams that don't care about the shoulder issue or one of the ones that think it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, I've I've read that his shoulders won't be a problem until like 15, 20 years down the road, which for whatever team he goes to, that's not a problem for them. Uh, A lot of people don't like Jonathan Allen. They don't want us to pick him. Personally, I I like him. I like him a lot. I think he's kind of going through the the Joey Bosa treatment of last year, where Bosa didn't test well athletically, and people were kind of souring on him for some reason. But Joey Bosa was great in college, and he ended up being the rookie of the year last year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, Jonathan Allen was great in college. Great college production. If you've heard him in interviews, he's very well-spoken, really good guy. I bet John Robinson really likes him. Uh, will he take him a five? I'm not sure. Um, but I I would consider him for sure at number five.
0: You mentioned Joey Bosa, and you talked a lot about him. And I want to ask, if Joey Bosa were in, were in this draft – I would have him ahead of Solomon Thomas and Derek Barnett, and I want to know if you agree with that.
1: Yeah, I think Bosa would be my number two behind Miles Garrett in overall.
0: What about, um, you know, Bosa was the third overall pick in the draft, so clearly he was a, a big-time mm-hmm. prospect. What about a guy who went a little bit later against Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner? What about him? W- w- oh, uh, like, Where who would, would you he pick? be? It, would you pick Thomas or Buckner?
1: Mm, Buckner kind of fits the three four defense better than Thomas does. Uh, but to- Thomas has so much versatility; he can play anywhere on the line, really. Uh, he has just a really good uh, low center of gravity. Uh, he can drive people. He can he can move around them. Um, I really like him. I th- I think he's he's a consideration at number five for sure. Um, I'm not sure if it, is he gonna play three four end or maybe edge. I think he could play both. Honestly.
0: So let's talk about the Titans now. Let's move in and talk all Titans. If you're John Robinson and you're on the clock, what do you do? And, and, well, and you can, say, re- give a reasonable trade that you would take too.
1: Yeah, of course I would trade down. I mean, this this class is so talented. And I'm really not, like, specifically sold on any any player at number five. I could go a couple different ways. But uh, I think some of them could even fall to like 10 or 12, which would be the, the prime uh, trade positions. Um, if you're asking me to cook up a trade, yeah, it would be with the Bills or the Browns. Uh, the easy one is the Browns moving – us moving down to 12 and us getting 33 or maybe us getting 42 and an additional pick. Um, I'm not sure which one I would take. I think 12 uh, – I mentioned this uh, a couple days ago. 12 seems like the prime position if you want to take Corey Davis because the teams after 12 until 18, those are the teams that would actually draft him and they really want him. Uh, Teams like the Cardinals, the Eagles, the Ravens, those teams need wide receivers and they could easily take him. So if they really want Davis, I don't know if they do, honestly. Uh, We've heard a lot about them liking Mike Williams. I don't know. But uh, yeah, if, if... I wanted Davis, I would trade down to 12 and scoop him up there. My
0: ideal scenario is that if you like Marshawn Lattimore and you you think he can be the number one corner for for years to come, you take him at five. If you don't Mm -hmm. feel that way about him, you trade down with Cleveland if that's a possibility, and you get that first pick of the second round because in recent years, and this year especially, you mentioned Zach Cunningham, potentially Jabril Peppers, Reuben Foster. Guys mm-hmm. that a lot of people have mid-first-round grades on could surprisingly fall to that second round. And if you have kind of first pickings, if you will – that's huge, and you could even work another trade after that if someone says, whoa, Reuben Foster's still there. I mean, you can trade down, and there's just kind of infinite possibilities with that first pick of the second round. And pick number 12 versus pick number 5 isn't that huge of a difference. At pick number 12, you're probably still going to have your choice of Ross, Davis, or Williams, and at 18, you can go get a cornerback, Kevin King, for
1: instance. Yeah, I completely agree. I think some of the guys that were considering at five are actually going to fall down to twelve. So some of those guys that you would take at five might be there at twelve if you trade down. And if you trade down and get that number thirty-three pick, twelve, eighteen, and thirty-three—that's that's three first-round picks essentially. That's that's huge. That's a a a, a franchise-changing draft class if you draft right. And if you don't draft a Kevin Dodd in the second round, I had to. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: That that pick kind of surprised me when they did that. I honestly thought, yeah. and kind of still wish they had taken Miles Jack with that pick.
1: Yeah, I I, I really wanted it. I don't know why, why they didn't take him. I guess the knees the knees were a concern. I don't know.
0: So if you st- if you do stay at five and you're John Robinson, uh, who do you take at five? Assuming let's let's say that uh, the first pick is Miles Garrett, uh, the second pick is Mitch Trubisky. The third pick is Jamal Adams, and the fourth pick is Jonathan Allen. Where where do you go at five?
1: I think I would be between. I I don't know if I would take Corey Davis at five. I probably would. I don't think it's a reach, but I'd probably be between Hooker and Davis if it if it came to that. I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't really think I want Lattimore at number five. He scares me a little bit too much.
0: I'm someone that I like Corey Davis. But I'm not as high as you, and you mentioned Will, our other editor earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm not as high as you two are on him. What do you
1: two see in him? God, he's just a complete package at the receiver position. He gets open. He has great hands. I don't know if you've seen some of his one-handed catches. They're they're really nice. Uh, he has amazing yak ability. He he's way faster than than a lot of people think he is. He can burn. He can burn pretty much anyone. I know it was against uh, bad competition, but. Yeah, and he can he can also block like the best receiver in this draft class. So I think he's the full package. Uh, he he profiles better as a number one receiver than the other two do.
0: If the in my opinion, if the Titans take a receiver, it's either going to be John Ross or or Corey Davis. I say John Ross because John Robinson, admittedly offered the New Orleans Saints something for Brandon mm-hmm. Cooks. So clearly they like that added dimension, speed, do it all type of guy. But Corey Davis is more is kind of like a more talented version of Rashard Matthews and Tajay Sharp. And that he's not Calvin Johnson. He's not going to physically dominate you on game, but he's 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 nifty. He's going to get open, but he also, unlike Matthews and Sharp, has the ability to burn you down the field.
1: Yeah, he. I really like him. I, I'm going to be upset if we don't pick him. Of course, I trust in John Robinson. Uh, I do like John Ross. Uh, he's really he's really fast. He's also a really good route runner, and he can catch any I mean, he's got four two two speed. That is huge for an offense. Will completely change the complexity of the offense. And um, uh, we haven't even talked about Mike Williams, but um, I think the hate has kind of gotten out of control on him. I don't think he's that bad. It, I mean, it, it. I am concerned that he doesn't separate very, very well. Uh, but I mean, if he can be a little like an Anquan Bolden type uh, with the way he, he plucks balls out of the air and takes it from defenders, then that's fine at number eighteen.
0: And I think Mike Williams is going to be a terrific receiver in the NFL. I don't think he would be a terrific receiver with the Titans just because of <laughs> what they expect of their wide receivers. Because what they look, what the Titans look for, the, for in their wide receivers, I've heard Malarkey say it all year, we've heard Terry Rubiski say it all year, it, it's precision and it's separation. Can you get open, know, be where you're supposed to be so that Marcus can, can throw you the ball on time? And It's all about timing. And Mike Williams is not a timing guy.
1: Yeah, they literally – there were quotes today. Uh, I don't know. I think John Robinson said it. What they want from their receivers, get open, catch the ball, and block. Mike Williams does one of those things. He catches the ball. Not a terrible blocker, but he's not close to the level of Corey Davis. And he can't – he really can't get open. He can't get open against cornerbacks in college. I can't even imagine quarterbacks in the NFL, how much separation he's possibly going to get. So um –
0: I did a piece this week um, about the Titans' five biggest needs, and I had them at corner, kick returner, a coverage linebacker, a wide receiver that can get vertical, and, and a speedy pass rusher. Which of those needs do you think is the most urgent for them to address?
1: I, I think it's wide receiver just because our receivers right now are Rashard Matthews to Jay Sharp and um, Harry Douglas. What's the other Harry, oh, my God. That's why I couldn't remember. <laughs> oh, Harry, he's still on the team. All right. Anyway, yeah, I think I think we need a wide receiver one. Uh, our offense was great even without a wide receiver one last year. But a wide receiver one would just be huge for, for Marcus, huge for the offense. And this would be easily a top five offense with a, a player of the caliber of Corey Davis or even John Ross.
0: Didn't Rustin Webster give uh, uh, Harry Douglas like a three-year, $15 million contract?
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. Oh, my gosh. Horrible. And Levitre. We haven't even gotten to Levitre.
0: Well, actually, I-, I was going to mention Levitre in a second because I wanted to talk about some draft rumors regarding the Titans that we need to debunk. We already kind of debunked the Mike Williams mm-hmm. rumor because he just doesn't fit what the mm-hmm. Titans do. Jason Wolf, who if the Titans end up taking uh, – uh, Forrest lamp i will i will promise that jason wolf will be on the podcast next week and i will be asking him where on earth he came up with that forest lamp is andy levitre he's not zach
1: Martin. i don't uh, i don't get it why would we take a guard a guard which would be a slight upgrade over klein or quentin spain at number 18 when we have when we have a huge need at cornerback and wide receiver or offense
0: there there's a difference between taking the best player available and just being weird and i think that would be <laughs> just weird if you take forrest lamp and and she i have- and I, I think they also like sebastian Tritola, their sixth round pick last right. year who's supposedly mm-hmm. going to compete with quentin spain for the left guard
1: spot I, I still like Spain. I thought he was good last year. Klein kind of he, he faded a little bit towards the end, uh, and I'll always hate him because he got beat on the on the play that Mariota got injured. Oh yeah. But I mean, he he was fine. He was fine. And yeah, we Tr- is he, he's got some potential. There's no need to draft a guard. I mean, when or you to draft when you have line.
0: when you have two bookend tackles that are are, are true. You know, bookend tackles like Taylor Lewan, who got his fifth-year option exercise today, and Jack Conklin, and you have a guy in the middle like Ben Jones, who he's not Travis Frederick, but he's a a very good run blocker and, and can run protections and everything. You don't mm-hmm. need all-pro guards when you have that set up everywhere else.
1: Yeah, this is this is like the first year that we actually don't need to invest in offensive line, and if we do it, I'm going to be upset because this 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 class is so talented at the positions that we actually need
0: i actually heard uh, paul Kaharski talk about this on his radio show a couple months ago about how bad it got when mike malarkey was the interim coach for the offensive line he said it got to the point where i asked him a question about the offensive line's performance and in his response he said the guy that played right tackle for us today, I can't really remember his name
1: at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. It got it got so bad. That I was mean, really bad. The guy
0: that played right tackle for us, I can't remember his name. I mean, it, I mean, I remember the days. We it was a V Tech. It was uh, Mike Otto. Mike Otto, yeah, and there was someone else. I think that I mean, a street free agent.
1: Velasco? No, he was pretty good.
0: Velasco, uh, yeah, Velasco was a good center for the Titans. So um, who's a guy, who do you think is the most overrated player
1: in this draft? People are going to think I'm crazy, but I think Fournette might be the most overrated prospect.
0: I can see where you're coming from on that one. I thought he would run a lot faster at the Combine.
1: He tested horribly athletically, and I look back at his stats. I mean, they're fine, but against top tier competition, Alabama and UF. Uh he averaged 2.1 against Alabama and 3.3 against Florida yards per carry. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was he was injured. Uh, he did have an ankle injury, but in today's NFL, I don't think his style really really fits. I I'm kind of hoping the the Jaguars take him. That'd be fun.
0: You know, the Titans are so and John Robinson is so unpredictable that uh you really don't know what they're going to do. They could take a guard. You never know. But there have through this whole process, I found two players that I'm going to go ahead and tell you. There's zero chance become Tennessee Titans. Number one is uh, Obi Melifamwu, and number two is uh, Malik McDowell, the defensive tackle from. Uh, I can't remember where he comes from, but uh, Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, Michigan State. Uh, people love Melifamwu. Right, he's six four. He ran well at the Combine. He, he's Taylor Mays.
1: Does yeah, that name is. ring a bell to you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> T- Taylor Mays, the safety who was literally too big to play safety.
1: And They I, said uh, he might be a cornerback. Who, Melifamu or, or? – yeah, they say they say he might translate better to cornerback, but I mean he's so big. I don't. I don't know. And if, you, know. if
0: you take Melafamwu, you'd be taking him for the same reason that you took Hassan Reddick in the first round, and that mm. they're very athletic, and you hope you can turn them into something that they just weren't in college.
1: Right. I'm kind of interested in your thoughts about McDowell because I don't think he's. I think he's pretty good actually.
0: Well, the reason I say Malik McDowell is. Uh, My number one source for the draft is I have this draft guide written by Nolan Naraki. And and under every pick, he talks to a scout and asks them about, or a scout from a team that has this as a position of need. And he talks to them about the player. And I'm going to read you a quote from what was said from the scout that talked to him about Malik McDowell. He says, um, uh, Malik McDowell's interview was one of the most difficult to sit through There was a lot of blame for everyone else. It was very self-centered. It confirms what you see on tape. He is a boomer bust guy. There is no one in between. There will be some coach pounding the table on draft day saying, I know I can change him, and it won't be us.
1: Wow. That is bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a John Robinson guy.
0: I immediately just took him off. There's zero chance. I see him off actually as like a less talented version of Austin Johnson in a way.
1: Yeah there also Chris Wormley from Michigan in this draft is really good also. He's kind of similar to McDowell and uh, he's going to go in the second round. Uh, he's just as good. There's a if we want a a 3 4 DE um yeah I mean there's a couple in this draft that are pretty talented. You know
0: I don't I see people saying that you know we need to take Jonathan Allen. And I like Jonathan Allen, but that's a position that you are really stacked at you have a ton of depth you have Jarrell Casey who's a pro bowler you have Daquan Jones you have Carl Klug and you have Austin Johnson who was your second round draft pick last year who wasn't anything spectacular as a rookie but he got better every single week I don't understand why you would want to add another player to that position group with the fifth pick of the draft
1: I mean I guess Daquan Jones isn't isn't that great he's solid he's a solid player I actually really like Austin Johnson I think he's going to take a big step uh in his second year. I liked a lot of things he did in his first season.
0: So, uh, at the end of every episode of the three and out podcast, we do the actual three and out segment for which the show is named. When I, uh, Mm -hmm. give our guest three kind of rapid fire questions as we close out the show and it is time for that segment. So question number one, who is the most undervalued prospect in this draft and the biggest sleeper?
1: Biggest sleeper in this draft. (laughs) Carlos Henderson out of Louisiana Tech. He's a receiver. Uh, Very skilled. Very smart. uh, Very quick. He reminds me a little bit of Percy Harbin. He's also a great returner. And uh, in the third round, he's going to be an absolute steal for someone.
0: I think that um, someone that hasn't gotten enough praise is Evan Ingram, the tight end slash wide receiver from Ole Miss. He reminds mm-hmm. me less of a Jordan Reed, Ladarius Green type of tight end, and more. I just keep seeing Demarius Thomas in him as an X wide receiver.
1: He, yeah, I, he's a really good receiver. I don't. I'm not sure if he can block that well, to be honest. But um, yeah, you can split that guy out wide, and he's not as he's not as stocky as Jordan Reed. He's a little bit skinnier.
0: Question number two: Which prospect in this year's draft has the best chance? Like like Jack Conklin did last year of being an All Pro as a rookie.
1: The best chance, I mean, I have to say, Miles Garrett. He's just that good, and if he goes to the Browns, he's going to play every single snap, and you're going to see him post probably double digit sack numbers.
0: Finally, what we've talked about what what we would do if we were in that position all of the all of the options. What do you honestly your mock draft answer think the Titans will do? On
1: draft day. I do think they're going to trade down. I don't think they're going to stay at five. But if they do stay at five, I can I can see them taking Jamal Adams.
0: I really I kind of agree with that. If they do stay at five, I can see them taking Jamal Adams. He just seems like, I think LeBeau would like him, but he just seems like that John Robinson, team first, tough, coachable player.
1: Yeah, if you've heard him in interviews, he's actually a really cool guy and a really a really good, well-spoken guy. So I could definitely see John Robertson really liking him a lot. Well,
0: we will be back next week um, on – I guess this will be going up Tuesday night. So we will be back next week on Tuesday to recap what will hopefully be an exciting draft, not just for the Titans but for the entire NFL as well. Matthias, thanks for joining me.
1: Uh, thank you for having me, man. It was fun.
0: All right, we will be back next week to recap the NFL draft on the next episode of the Three and Out podcast. If you want to be alerted when that episode comes out and all future episodes, go subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Until then, I'm Luke Worsham saying goodbye, God first, and tight out.